I'm going to read this morning from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, this morning, as we think about, reflect upon, and hear the words of the psalmist, Father, I pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us. And Father, this morning, I pray that those first words, the Lord is my shepherd, are true in our lives. Father, as we sang about this morning, laying our burdens down at the foot of the cross, as we sang about being here in the Father's house, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray that you would lead us and guide us as we talk about rest and restoration this morning. And Father, I pray for those who are watching online, who are listening perhaps, those who are here in the house, those who are on the backstage patio this morning. Father, I pray that as we, your people, come together and worship you, I pray that you would lead us, that those who came in today carrying a heavy burden, perhaps worn out because of what's going on in the world, what has gone on in the world, the crisis that we continue to face back to back to back in our worlds that makes us weary. I pray that we would lay that at your, your feet. Father, I pray for those who came into this place and are listening right now or are struggling in their lives. And they're following a shepherd, but it may not be you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would awaken us today to the fact that we need rest in you. And God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us. May you be pleased by everything that takes place this morning. And Father, I want to pray right now for the war in the Ukraine. And Father, I pray that you would be as fellow pastors have prayed that you would be with the people of the Ukraine, of Ukraine. Father, I pray that you would protect the ones that are still there. Father, I pray that you would be with the families, the moms and the dads and the aunts and the uncles and the children, God, the children of Ukraine today. Be with those who have been pushed out to other places, away from their homes. Father, I pray for those who are homeless today in Ukraine. 
Father, I pray that you would be with the orphans and the widows and the Christ followers and the leaders. And Father, as one pastor prayed, that we would hear your word and that we would pray for their enemies, that we would pray for our enemies. And Father, we pray that Vladimir Putin comes to his senses. Father, that you would put him on his knees. And Father, for our part here in the Western world, I pray that we would rely on you continually. That we would not listen to the drone of what is happening on social media or taking place in the news. But Father, we would seek you out. Lead us to that place of rest and peace today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Today, we are in our second of our series called Restoration. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, um, but we are going to be focused on rest today. And I'm glad that God knows what he's doing, because I often don't. <laughs> and I didn't put two and two together that my family would be involved in a, a theater production of The Wizard of Oz with their school all weekend and up till super late last night. <laughs> When God told me you need to preach on rest on this Sunday, how many of you would say, I, I am physically, emotionally, or spiritually tired? And just admit it this morning. One of those three. Or in any other way you can think of that I'm not thinking of. We're tired. We're tired. We're tired. And we can't talk about spiritual restoration in, in let's, until we talk about the first part of that, which is rest. It's in the first part of the word rest. And it's not just physical rest as we'll see, it's spiritual rest. It's a peace that passes all understanding as God's word says. And so as we walk through these next few weeks, what God is doing in terms of restoration, first and foremost, I want you to know that his restoration is so much different than ours. I talked about it last week. We, we restore something and we make it look new when we restore it or we return it to what it looked like when it was new. But God does something far better than that. He actually takes you and he takes me and he actually makes us a brand new person. Isn't that awesome? He makes us brand new. Revelation 21 verse 5 says, He who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I want you to say the next two words with me. Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. John wrote that on purpose and he wrote it in that particular way so that we would have the understanding and the truth that God is always making things new. And I'm so glad that he's in the business of making things brand new because the old new Todd is just as worn out as the current old Todd. We are living our lives at a rapid pace in a wild world. Experts tell us that um, we as people need between seven and nine hours of rest every night. You can laugh. It's okay. Seven to nine hours? They didn't have kids. Obviously, none of these experts had kids, right? Seven to nine hours is what we need of rest. And the average American in 2020 studies show that get, they get, we get less than six hours of sleep a night. 
We need rest, don't we? We need rest. I mean, think about it. We were all forced to slow down for two full months, three full months back in uh, 2020, weren't we? We were forced. But it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. We went right back to our cycles. And we're living lives. We're living our lives without a governor. I didn't know what a governor was, and I'm not talking about the governor of a state or a province, but I'm talking about the governor that people install on a golf cart. The first car that I learned how to drive was a golf cart. A little picture into my life. My dad wasn't a car guy. I knew nothing about cars. He, ta- he showed me how to change the oil one time, and it literally took eight hours. And he looked at me, and he's like, next time, let's just go to Jiffy Lube. I mean, let's just, you know, forget this mess, Right. I don't know. I didn't know much about cars. I still don't know much about cars. But when I was 15 and 16, I got a job at a golf carts, a golf course, and I was in charge of the carts. And I would drive these carts, and it was really interesting because they were gas powered, and I'd take them around curves and up and down the Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia Hills is in Atlanta, and and I would drive them like crazy because I was 15, 16 years old, right? And that's what we do, right? And and but the thing was, is they got a new fleet of carts. The golf course ordered a new fleet of carts. And so they came out, and they put them in the, in the uh, cart barn, and, and I drove for the first time one of the brand-new carts. Man, I felt like I was getting a new car, right? I was like, man, this is pretty cool, right? And I took it around a curve, and all of a sudden, I realized it was going a lot faster than I was used to. It was flying. And as I went around the curve and kind of down the hill, I'm pretty sure that brand-new golf cart got up on two wheels. And I'm pretty sure my boss was watching, and uh, he was freaked out a little bit, and, and he came running out. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. The governors haven't been installed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They don't need golf carts. They don't need a governor. The state needs a governor. The golf carts don't need a governor. And uh, I found out what a governor is. It regulates the speed. Regulates the speed. And listen, we are living our lives without a governor, aren't we? We're living our lives without a governor on our lives. We're living our lives with great ambition, which is not bad. It's not wrong. We're living our lives with a fast pace, take it now, get it now, go after it now attitude, and and we live in that way where we are just absolutely obsessed with ambition, and we're busy, and we're busy, and we're busy, and we're so busy, and if you mix busyness with ambition, and and if you mix it without a governor, you are going to get a life that is uncontrolled, and add to that that we don't sleep enough. No wonder the Western world's lives are such a mess. No wonder we struggle so much in our personal lives, in our relationship lives, and in our money lives, our financial lives. No wonder we're struggling so much to understand what God may be trying to tell us because we are living with this unbridled, ungoverned ambition and busyness to fill every inch of the day. And we have to turn to something or someone to find rest. We look for it in a thousand ways. And I want you to know today that our God is a God of rest. And oh, what would happen, Hilton Head Island Community Church, if we could tap into the rest he provides? If we could tap in and find the rest that he provides. 
I want to preface before we dive into some points this morning and take a look at the Sabbath and take a look at rest and the beginning of this idea of restoration. And I just want to say this. This is a very, very difficult message for me to bring because I struggle with this too. I struggle with this too. Even leading up to today, the enemy was telling me, you're not worthy of preaching this message. You know what? We're all in the same boat, aren't we? We're all in the same boat. And if we don't find rest in our lives, if we don't find physical rest, and if we don't find spiritual rest, if we don't find peace in our lives, there's no chance that God can do the restorative work spiritually that he needs to do because we are pushing against what he's doing by our busyness and by our unbridled busyness and our unbridled ambition. And the fact is, is that God established rest for a reason. He established Sabbath for a reason. And the fact is, is that we need to take up agency. Years ago, I heard someone, a guy by the name of Michael Hyatt, somebody uh, that, that I just really respect, he used this word agency. And I thought about that, agency. We have agency when it comes to this. Because here's the thing, church, we can choose who our shepherd is. We get to choose who leads us. We get to choose what leads us. And once we say yes to God, once we choose him as our shepherd, then all of a sudden it is out of control and he's in control. And that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. I want to start today by telling you that our God is a God of rest he is a God of the Sabbath. Now, most of the time when I say Sabbath, you are going to think of right here, right now, on Sunday morning, right? Isn't that what you think of? Sunday? Doesn't Sabbath and Sunday go together in, in our Western culture? Sabbath and Sunday just go hand in hand. And we sometimes confuse Sabbath with worship. Now, we need to worship. We need to be people that are worshiping. And God's word has so much to say about Worship, And we need to come together like this, whether it's on Saturday. No, we're not starting a Saturday service. Uh, or if it's Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Um, uh, <laughs> but the Sabbath day was a day that was established under Mosaic law that was set aside for the purpose of rest and remembrance. Because God knew that his people would struggle with this all the way back then. And he knows that, he's gonna, that we're going to struggle with it today. That we're going we're gonna to struggle with it. And so he established a specific day from sundown to sunup and into sundown, a day that was established as a Jewish day of rest. And God established rest all the way back to Exodus 16. Here we are back in Exodus again. I love it. He said to them, the people, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And that word Sabbath literally means something a little bit different than what we think of. It literally means a deep rest or a deep peace. It's not a day, it's not a time, it is actually driven from the word shalom, which we know is peace. It is a deep rest and it's a deep, deep peace that we. Can have. And so when we think of worship, that's something that we should do. And God does command us to worship and get together. And God does command us to rest. But we in our Western world, we really don't understand shalom. 
we have a hard time understanding this word Sabbath. My prayer is is that at the beginning of the series that we would be recalibrated to understand that we need rest for God to restore us. This isn't about worship. This isn't about worship. That's a whole other subject all together. We need rest. We don't need another holiday. We don't need another day. We don't need another thing. Uh, Years ago, I was given this uh, kind of handwritten notes from kids, and one of them said, Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good right in, in there right now. We don't need another holiday, do we? But boy, do we need Sabbath. We need rest. We need rest. First thing this morning, God, our God, is the God of rest. He is the God of rest. If you are here today or you're listening or watching and you're a God follower, you are someone who should be about rest. I should be about rest. We should be about rest. We should be about the Sabbath because our God created and he planned and practiced and he modeled rest all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, 2 through 3. What does it say? He created the world and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested He rested, for those of you who are overachievers, he rested on the seventh day. He rested on the seventh day. He rested on the seventh day. God, when he was done, he rested, and we should do the same. He blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. You remember the story of Jesus when he was, he was out on the boat with his disciples and they were freaking out because of that storm. That storm came up and they were terrified. You ever been on a boat out in a storm? I have. It's not a whole lot of fun, is it? <laughs> Jesus, what did he do? He went down into the boat and what did he do? He slept. What would we do in today's day and age? Everybody on, on, the, on the deck would go down, and they'd take Jesus, and they'd throw him off the boat, wouldn't they? What would they call him? Lazy. they call him lazy, right? You need to work. You need to help us. We've got to get the sails up. We've got to get this ship turned around and pointed in the right direction. You're sleeping? <laughs> Jesus rested. Jesus rested. He rested. One of my favorite theologians, Matthew Henry, says this. He rested, God did, on that day, that seventh day, and he took a complacency in his creatures. That doesn't sound right, does it? And then he sanctified it. And he appointed us on that day to rest and take a complacency in the creator. You see, Having time when we rest isn't just sleeping. We can sleep and not be spiritually fulfilled, spiritually nourished. We, as God's people, must rest in him. Yeah, we can take time for leisure, and that's good. And golf is really good leisure, okay? So I'm totally justifying my my thing that I enjoy, right? Boy, if we miss God in our rest, we've missed everything about it. If we miss God in our Sabbath, we've missed everything 
about it. Sometimes in biblical teaching or preaching, the subject matter drives or requires you to preach on the opposite of that thing. Like if you teach on heaven, you almost certainly must teach on hell. <laughs> Pastors don't like teaching on hell. <laughs> Usually because they experience a little bit of what God is going to, you know, they experience a little bit of what they're going to teach on in the weeks or days leading up to it. You can't teach on life without teaching on death. You can't teach on love without teaching about hate. hate. And the same is true for rest. You can't teach on rest without mentioning that God calls us to a purpose. You hear me talk a lot about that. He calls us to a mission. He's called this church to a mission. And we can't talk about rest without talking about the hard work that God has called us to do, the things that he's called us to do in this kingdom, to expand his kingdom, to further his gospel message. But if we don't have rest physically and spiritually, we're not going to be worth anything, are we? last time that you spoke an unkind word or lashed out at someone, my guess is, is that you probably said, maybe you said, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you said, I'm sorry. I'm just tired. Tired. We don't have to live that way because God is the God of rest. God is the God of of rest. The second thing is that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. God is the author of rest, but Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. I just, I love all the stories of Jesus when he stands up against religious leaders and he kind of shows them what is, right? I love it when he does that. And there's this great passage in Mark chapter 2 where the, uh, the, there are some of his followers who are picking grain on the Sabbath. Now, in the Jewish culture, to do anything physical on the Sabbath was a violation of that law. And so Jesus, who was a rabbi, some of his followers were picking grain on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, came out with their clipboard. They're like, we're going to write you up, boys. You're violating the Sabbath. You're violating the law. And Jesus said, hey, wait, 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 wait. Hang on just a second here. David... When he was the king, he would take time on the Sabbath and he would do things. He would go get grain and he'd go get meal and he'd prepare lunch, essentially. He wasn't violating the Sabbath. And then he says this in Mark 2, 27 and 28. He said to them, not his disciples, but to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man. For the Sabbath. Do you get that? The Sabbath was made for us. We weren't made for the Sabbath. God doesn't need our rest. He doesn't need our peace, does he? But he knew that we need Sabbath. He knew that we needed rest. And he goes on to say, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And essentially, Jesus was saying this to the religious leaders. Hey, guys, back off of your rules, okay? Because I'm Lord of the Sabbath. We miss the spirit of what God is telling us sometimes. 
We miss the spirit of what God is teaching us sometimes. We miss this, the spirit of what God is telling us in his still small voice to us sometimes. And my, I, I can almost promise you that there's at least a few of you who are here today and listening. And you have gone through a period of time when you have maybe, maybe you had this right. Maybe you had this rest thing down, this rest in him thing down. And over time, it's kind of got away from you. All of a sudden, a five-day work week turned into a six. All of a sudden, being retired and being involved in three or four different projects turned into a full-time retirement job. <laughs> Which, by the way, I don't think is totally bad at all. But we have to rest, church. If we're going to be the best for each other and the best for him, we have to rest Tim Keller, in his book, Jesus the King, he dedicates a whole chapter, by the way, to rest. And he says this. Here's his thoughts on this passage. It says, the law of God directed that you had to rest from your work one day in seven. It was wonderful, he says, of course. But the religious leaders of the day had fenced in this law with a stack of specific regulations. There were 39 types of activities that you could not do on the Sabbath. We would need a search engine to, like, figure that out, right? Can't remember 39. It included reaping grain, which is what the Pharisees accused the disciples of doing. And Mark goes on record a second incident that took place on the Sabbath. It happened again and again and again. And Jesus' point was not just to slap the Pharisees' hand, but also to communicate to the disciples and to us that he is Lord of the Sabbath. And if he's Lord of our lives, then we should follow that lead thirdly, thirdly, today. If we are truly going to embrace, listen, I want you to hear this today. If we are truly going to embrace full spiritual restoration, it begins with us coming to Jesus to find true rest. To find that deep rest and that deep peace. It means that we come to him. That we run to him. That we crawl to him if we have to on some days. That we, we go to him when we're weak and when we're strong. And we make it a regular thing. That he is the one that we turn to. Jesus said to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight. And 29 and 30. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will, what's that next word? Give. He will give you rest. He will give you rest. There have been times and there have been days, and this morning was one of them. I'm honest with you. I woke up going, I, I don't know if I've got it today, God. I got on my knees, and I just said, I, I, I need you to take over. This is yours. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I can't even listen to the news for a while. And that's a good thing to do, too, by the way. Stop listening to the news. <laughs> and there are times when you, when you and I, when we do that, when we come to Jesus and go, I can't do this I am tired. When we do that, he takes over. 
And all of a sudden, you're in a supernatural place where he is all of a sudden in control. And guess what? You're not. And that's the way it should be anyway. Come to me. Take my yoke. Listen, this is what he says in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, for I am gentle. Anyone in here need for someone to be gentle in 2022? 2020 wasn't a gentle year. 2021 wasn't a gentle year. Humanity is not a gentle species. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, it's easy. And my burden is light. And when he says, take my yoke upon me, that's the yoke that tied two ox together for farming. And it was heavy, and it was burdensome, and it was painful. And we walk into the house of God like we just sang about earlier. And we've got this heavy yoke. And I want you to know, Christ follower, those of you who are Christ followers, those of you who may not yet be Christ followers, he wants to take your heavy burdens. He wants to take your heavy burdens. And he invites you to come to him. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. It's a command, but it's also a promise. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. My challenge to you who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church and are on this journey of looking at what Jesus does to restore us in our lives, what he does to restore relationships, what he does to restore the physical, to make us new creatures, that we have to be in a place where we are resting in him, we are finding peace in him. And the fact is, listen, the fact is, church, the fact is, Christ follower, that we turn to so many other things don't we, to find rest. We probably all have been there. We're desperate for it. We're worn out. We're weary. And I don't know about you, my temptation when I'm worn out and weary and tired is to work more. <laughs> and that kind of is the opposite of what God wants us to do. He wants us to have moments of deep rest in him. Deep rest in him. Are you drained this morning? You can be replenished. You can be replenished. Listen, I want you to hear that. If you're drained, you can be replenished. Do you come into this place today diminished? You can be restored he can restore your soul. Did you come into this place today and you're broken? You can be repaired by the Savior. He wants to repair those broken parts of your life. He wants to give you hope in the midst of that phone call that you received last week. The cancer diagnosis. The shock that you had. The family member child that's wayward. And Jesus says, 
Come to me and find rest. And that's his challenge for you and for me. I'm right here with you. I'm in the boat with you. Is that we find rest, not in anything else, but in him. That we go to him. When we do that, he is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. The the first line of Psalm 23 correlates 100%. The first part of it totally is what everything is about today. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to say that with me. You can say it at home if you want to. You can say it on the backstage patio. It's cold out there. You guys are awake. All right, say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. But my question to you today is who's your shepherd right now? Who's your shepherd right now? Because he says that you can be in a place where you will not want. You won't want. You won't want for anything. You can be in a place where he will lead you to green pastures. Verse 2 says, by the way, he makes us lie down. The shepherd would force the sheep to lie down in the green pastures. Have you been there over the last couple of years? We all were during COVID. We were forced to lie down. We need rest for our souls. And my challenge to you is to ensure that Jesus is your shepherd so that you will not want and you can be restored in your soul. Today, I want to pray a prayer over you, and I'm going to pray Psalm 23 over you today. In a few minutes, the band will make their way up here, and um, we've got one more song, and I want you to listen to the words of the song. But I'm going to invite you, if you want to, to go in our prayer room. We've got a couple stations set up in the prayer room. You can come up during my prayer or during that song. Uh, The door will be open uh, as soon as I walk off off stage there. And you can go in there and walk through those prayer stations. Maybe you need someone to pray for you. We have people back there who will pray for you, part of our prayer team, our care team, our Stevens ministers, and some of our pastors. But I want to pray a prayer over me and over you that we would allow the Lord to be our shepherd and that we would take these moments this morning and linger here and really get introspective and find out if he truly is leading us in rest. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I just want to pray right now for those who are really worn out, depleted, discouraged, in need of repair, in need, great need of restoration. Father, I pray for those who came in with heavy burdens, Maybe there's a health issue right now. Maybe there's a financial issue. Maybe there's a huge life change issue that's looming and it's coming and it's, it's like an oncoming train and oh man, it is so terrifying. Father, I pray for every need that's in this room. God, I pray that we, your people, would make sure that you are our shepherd. That you are the one that we're following And Father, I just confess in my own life that there have been times that when it comes to spiritual rest, wow, I've looked to other things to fill that void. And there's nothing, there's nothing that will fill it. And God, the truth of the matter is, is that if you aren't our shepherd, you will make us lie down in green pastures. Father, that that might be 
that might be something that is difficult for us. God, I pray that we would interrupt that, that we would just say to you, I'm not going to allow whatever it is in the past to be my shepherd anymore. I'm not going to allow that thing to be the thing that fills me up, that leads me. But I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to lead me. Because I need restoration. I need to be filled. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Father, you make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. Father, I pray that you would restore our souls. Father, will you lead me? Will you lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake? And even though we, your people, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, if you're our shepherd, we will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, that shepherd's staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table full of amazing food and delicacies before us in the presence of the things and the people and the movements that are our enemies. Oh God, you anoint our head with oil. You anoint us with oil. And you allow our cups to overflow. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for the people that are here that goodness and mercy would follow them for all of their days, for all of our days. God, may we dwell in your house forevermore. Father, help us to find rest for our souls. Help us to slow our lives down enough to just breathe, to take in your Holy Spirit. God, may you be the one that leads us. In Jesus' name, I